Well, if you could begin making your way back, that'd be wonderful. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is where you're going to need to head over to. Um, I'd like to pray, and then uh, we'd like to get going together in regards to uh, the, the second main aspect to our church vision. But let me pray, and we'll hop in to, uh, to some of the um, details of that and catch you up to speed if you've just joining us this morning, kind of where we're at in week three of a five-week series in regards to just who we believe we are, who, and what the Lord has called us to. And uh, so I, I trust that this morning will be profitable, um, but to, let's go before the Lord and uh, ask Him. Father God, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for the opportunity to gather together. Lord, we thank You for, uh, for what it is that You're doing in our midst um, and Lord, as we, as we come to your word this morning, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, that you would speak. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give accuracy to my words, that uh, they would be accurate according to what you have spoken. Lord, as we hear, as we listen, as we process, as we think, God, we pray that you'd give good skill to us in those areas as well. God, as we think about and, and look at your word and what you say about us uh, serving one another and those both inside and outside the church, uh, God, I pray that you'd move and stir within our hearts in such a way that we, um, that we would see this as something that you've not only called us to, but it's something that you have empowered us for. And uh, Lord, it's, it's, it's a way, it's an aspect, it's it's a vehicle for how you make us more into the image of Christ and allow us to make disciples as well. And so God, help us to, to understand um, what it is that you intend for us as your followers. And Lord, we pray that we may um, just honor and glorify you by our time together this morning. And we ask this in the good name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, well, this morning we're going to look at Christ-centered serving, uh, but over the past several weeks, as we've been clarifying what we believe our church mission to be, and then the vision of that, uh, we find ourselves in week two of four, uh, and so you can kind of see on the back wall where we're going. Uh, next week we'll have another pallet up there with a fourth one to come down on this side, but we wanted some visual reminders each week as you came in about what these things are, because we really believe these things are that important to the lifeblood of our church, and as we've been clear clarifying our mission, uh, simply the what we are to do. If you were to ask us, you know, what, what are you as a church to do? Uh, we believe that is most clearly, succinctly summarized by saying, we believe that our mission is to glorify God by being disciple-making disciples. Now, if you were then to ask us the second question of, okay, well, how do you accomplish that? That, that sounds like a great sentence, but how do you work that out? Well, now we enter into what is rightly termed as vision, and, and where this interacts with other churches in the area is this, the church as a whole, the global institution of the church, those that are believers in Jesus Christ, that gather under the name of Jesus Christ for worship, have the same mission. That's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It's go into the world, make disciples. But the vision of that gets uniquely expressed 
between each local body as they seek the Lord, as they seek the scriptures, as they flesh those things out. And so our mission compared to other churches around should look very similar. Our vision may look uniquely different in some aspects, and there may be overlap in some aspects, uh, but it's what we believe the Lord has called us to. So how do we live out our mission? Well, we think it's done in four main aspects, and the first being Christ-centered worship, which is where we were last week, and that we believe that worship is not only a corporate gathering, but it is also a lifestyle. And so if we're going to work out the how, of being disciple-making disciples, we think it begins with Christ-centered worship. And from there, Christ-centered serving, which we will much more in-depth look at this morning. Thirdly, which will be next Sunday, Christ-centered community groups. And then at the last Sunday in September, we will hit Christ-centered Witness. These are the four things that we believe really answer the question of how are you going to work out your mission? How are disciples going to make other disciples? How are you going to glorify God? Well, we think it's done by Christ-centered worship, Christ-centered serving, Christ-centered community groups, and Christ-centered witness. And so this morning as we get after the how of serving, I'm going to give you another definition. It's in your bulletin, so you don't need to feverishly scribe this one down. Uh, But as we've tried to do for these, we've tried to give you a two-sentence definition of what these four things mean and what we believe and understand them to mean because we could write books about what these things mean. And there have been volumes of books written about what these things mean. And that's not going to be real helpful for you if you have to memorize a book. So if you can paraphrase two sentences, we're in a good spot. You don't even need to feel compelled to memorize the two sentences. If you can paraphrase them, we're in a good spot. So here's what we believe Christ-centered serving to be. We believe that God, through the Holy Spirit, has gifted Every believer with gifts to serve the body of Christ. Furthermore, God has created each one of us with unique abilities and passions that we are to use to love and serve those both inside and outside the church for His glory. And so there's two parts to that definition. The first part is that God has, through the Holy Spirit, gifted you as a believer in Jesus Christ with gifts to serve the body of Christ. We did not use this term in the definition, but the term spiritual gifts is what we're talking about. Secondly, God has given you unique abilities and passions. They're not necessarily spiritual gifts, but as you look at the way that God has hardwired you, as he has created you in his image, there is uniquenesses to you. And those uniquenesses to you are different than others. And there's passions that you have that are unique to you. And we believe that God has given you those abilities. He has uniquely wired into you passions that are not to be just dumped off on fruitless endeavors. They are rather to be used to love and serve both those inside and outside the church. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to spend a good chunk of time on the first part. We're going to spend a little bit of time on the second part. And here's the reason why. I think there's a lot of confusion in regards to spiritual gifts. We're going to hopefully step into that a little bit. We'll see if we can 
I'm not even sure I'm willing to use the word set it straight. If, the, if we can let the scripture speak and guide us in our thinking in regards to spiritual gifts, that's a win this morning. The second part of abilities and passions, I think we're going to be able to cover that a little bit more quickly. And so that's where we're going to aim to go. And that's why we need to be in 1 Corinthians 12. It's because there is one of the main passages in the scriptures in regards to spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts, you can go and and search all sorts of different churches. There is denominations that have drawn lines because of these things and what they mean and what they don't mean and how they're practiced and how they're exercised. And, And here's the thing. We can't run from them because the scriptures teach that God has given them to us. We got to be real discerning with it. We got to be real discerning with it. We got to be very, very biblical with it. And so that's what we'll aim to do this morning. And so would you go and look at 1 Corinthians 12? We're going to start in verse 4 and we're going to just answer the question here at the outset what are spiritual gifts. Now, I'm not stepping in this morning into the list. I'm not answering the question, what are these spiritual gifts this morning? It's going to be a whole lot more general than that. We're simply asking the question, what are spiritual gifts? We're going to look at three broad things that I think can rightly summarize what Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 12 about spiritual gifts. So let's look at verse 4 together. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one, excuse me, I'm not going into verse 8, I'm just going to pull off at verse 7. Okay, so as we look at 4 to 7, answering the question, what are spiritual gifts? First, we can see that spiritual gifts are from God that vary depending on His sovereign choice. Look back at verse 4 with me. There are a varieties of gifts Now that word there that Paul uses is the word charismatin. It's where the word charismatic comes from. There are mainline denominations, charismatic denominations, that would have an understanding of gifts. But here's the thing that you and I need to understand. If we're going to be biblical, and we're going to rightly see that God has given us gifts, we are charismatic. He has given grace gifts. That's what that word means. Charis is the Greek word for grace. They're grace gifts or gifts of grace. Now, there's good reasons why we don't put the word charismatic on our website. It's going to mean things to certain people without an extensive definition given that would just be unhelpful. Because we don't mean, and I certainly don't mean, what you may associate with charismatic as you hear that word. But if we're going to be biblical, we have to see that God has given grace gifts. 
And so in that sense, if we believe and conclude that he has given gifts of grace, it's not inappropriate for us to say we're charismatic. Now, before anybody gets weird, I'm not going to get a box of snakes out, not bringing any oil, all right? It's not where we're going. We're just letting the text speak. Now, the closest, the closest parallel that I was able to think about why this word is helpful and why we should let the biblical word stand is this. There have been a whole host since really probably the second generation of humanity of abuses in regards to sexuality that have happened. You can read, all, you can read historical accounts in the scriptures. We can just fast forward to 2015 and it does not take a lot of brain power to come up with ways where people are not celebrating sex as the gift that God intended. But it would be inappropriate for the church to say, and they have in the past, and it was wrong then, it would be inappropriate for the church to say sex is not to be enjoyed as a gift. It is to be frowned on, it is to be moved away from. That was a position of the church historically several hundred years ago. Rather, we need to understand those things rightly. And I think the same thing can apply here to the gifts that the Lord has given us. Are there abuses? Are there, in my opinion, definitions that just don't hold weight biblically? Absolutely. But should that preclude us from letting this text speak as it does, that these are grace gifts that he has given us? No. We've got to come to the text and we've got to let it speak. Now, having said all that, I I mentioned it before, there's good reasons why we're not going to use the word charismatic on our website. It means something in a popular cultural definition that I don't think is biblical. But what is biblical is God has given grace gifts, and he has given those to each believer. And these are gifts from God that vary depending on his sovereign choice. And this is the big idea Paul is getting after as he's writing to this church that elevated certain gifts higher than another. For them, it was tongues. They thought those that spoke in tongues had something figured out. Perhaps the, the, the connection between them and God was a little tighter or a little shorter than everybody else's connection. And they had something special. And he's writing to say, no, 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 no. You've got to flatten that list. You guys have completely become unbalanced in your understanding. You have placed a worldly hierarchy into the understanding of these grace gifts. And his entire aim in chapter 12, and especially these three verses, is to flatten the list. And so he begins in verse 4. There are varieties of grace gifts, but the same Spirit. It doesn't matter what your gift is, the Holy Spirit is the one that has given it to you. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Now, I believe that word service means areas to use your gift. The word service there is the same word that Jesus used in Mark 10 that we just looked at a few weeks ago, where the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. That word service there is where we get our English word deacon from. Those that have been called and uniquely recognized as having a unique, special role in the church to serve. 
So there's a variety of gifts. Your gift is not going to look like other people's gifts. There's a variety of places to apply your gift. And so your area of applying and serving your gift is going to look different than other people's area of applying and using their gift. And he, thirdly, continues, there's varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all. Now that word activities is actually the same word as empowers. If you look at your text, you're going to see that there's a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers. It's the same word. It's where we get our word energy from. Paul's big point here is that there is a variety of results that happens. And it's the same God who energizes them. It's the same God who empowers them. So you see what he's done? He said, look, there's a variety of gifts. Your gift is going to look different than her gift. And his gift is going to look different than his gift. And there's a variety of places to use your gifts. There's a variety of places to serve with the gift that you have been given. And there's a variety of results that happen, but it's the same God that has empowered your gift and your area to serve and your results or and the results. You see how he's beginning to flatten the list? Well, our gift's different. We must have a different type of relationship with the Spirit. No, 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 no. There's a variety of gifts. It's the same Spirit. Well, my area of applying my gift maybe is a little less fancy than that person's area of applying his or her gift. Perhaps there's just something different in their relationship with the Lord. No, 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 no. It's the same Lord. Well, the results that I see from when I use my gifts compared to the results that that person has when they use their gifts are different. What, where's the disconnect there? No, don't worry about that. Because the energy behind the gift and the results as you use the gift are actually empowered by the same God. Paul has taken his, his Trinitarian formula where he references the Spirit, the Lord Jesus, and God the Father and has placed spiritual gifts within that context to say the gifts will differ, the areas of application will differ, and the results will differ, but it is the same Trinity at work in everyone. And so here's where this is really, really good news for us. God has gifted all of us differently. And when we come to something like Fall Festival... Some of you are gifted to have some leadership in that. Some of you are gifted with the gifts of hospitality. Some of you are gifted in such a way that you can see somebody that walks in and go, you know, I feel like I need to talk to that person. I might need to ask that person how I can pray for that person. And the differences between those gifts matter not. What matters is your faithfulness in using the gift that God has given you and your obedience to what he's called you to do. Here's where this is really good news for me. Every Sunday morning, there's thousands of preachers that stand before congregations and preach. Some of them may have the gift of teaching. Others of them may not. Regardless, they're in some way exercising a gift that the Lord has given them. 
And this understanding of gifts from 1 Corinthians 12 actually begins to help us understand the differences in the results that we see. So I don't get to bemoan before the Lord that you're not a church of four, five, six thousand people because some guy in Texas has a church that size. I don't get to pridefully celebrate before the Lord that you're a hundred strong and there's churches in our community that maybe are struggling to get 25 this morning. What I get to do and what I've been called to do is take the gift I've been given, exercise it faithfully where I've been called to exercise it and leave all of the results in the Lord's hands because it's the same God who empowers The empowerment of my gift, the empowerment of your gift is not from within you. You're not that awesome. The empowerment of your gift is actually supernatural. It's from God himself. And that's the second aspect that we see in regards to spiritual gifts. They are supernatural. But let me give you another text from Romans. It's the same author that's writing. He's writing to a different church. But Paul would say this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually and members of one another. See, he's taken a human body, and he's given them as that as an illustration to say, look, you know, not everybody's a finger. Not everybody's a foot. Not everybody's a set of lungs. And so like the body has different functions, you as the body of Christ are going to have different functions, but you are members of one another. And so having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And again there, you see the word gifts. It's the same word he uses in 1 Corinthians 12. So what are spiritual gifts? Well, first and foremost, they are gifts from God that vary depending on his sovereign choice. He decides who gets what gift. He decides the areas that we apply the gifts. And he empowers the results of the gift. You and I have just been called to be faithful in exercising the gift that we've been given. Secondly, what are spiritual gifts? They are supernatural gifts. Touched upon this a little bit in verse 6. You're going to see that again. It is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Jump down to verse 11, though, because Paul is going to repeat that phrase. All these, and he's referring to the list of gifts he gave in verses 8 to 10 are empowered, same word as in verse 6, by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So he took verses 4, 5, and 6, summarized them, and restated the big idea in verse 11. It is God who is empowering your gift, and you've got it because the Spirit chose to give it to you. It's as He wills. And it's according to His apportionment. What are spiritual gifts? Secondly, they are supernatural gifts. They are supernatural gifts that the Lord 
uses us to work through. And so here's another spot where Paul, I believe, is trying to flatten a worldly hierarchy of gifts. And we'll just put it in the context of Corinth because that's exactly what he's writing in in 1 Corinthians 12. They elevated tongues and the interpretation of tongues as some awesome, great, hierarchical gift because it had some spectacular features to it. If you were able to speak in some foreign language and some other brother was able to interpret that and you were coming together, that was going to look a little bit more spectacular than somebody exercising faith. Or perhaps the brother or sister with a word of wisdom where they are able to take the scriptures and understand it and apply it to daily life. You can see this worldly perspective sat in to the church and crept in, and it crept in from their their pagan worship that they were saved out of. That's actually verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 12, where he's saying, I'm going to write to you about spiritual gifts, and I'm going to tell you how it's going to differ from the pagan idolatry that you were saved from. But they had some carryover. They had some things that they had to disassociate. They had some discipleship that needed to take place. And he writes to them to say, look, no, you cannot elevate one gift as higher than another. And so the gifts that may be more public are not any more empowered by God. They're not any more supernatural than the gifts that may be quiet, the gifts that may be steadfast, And the gifts that may involve a whole lot of moving of chairs or cleaning of trash cans or mopping of floors. Because there are some people who have been gifted to serve. There are some people who have been gifted to be generous. And those gifts oftentimes are quiet. We cannot elevate gifts that are more public over gifts that can be expressed more in a private way. Because that's not biblical. All of these gifts are supernatural gifts. But that they are not magical gifts. We're not talking about magic. We're not talking about incantations. We're not talking about, well, if you say these right words, then these things are going to happen. We are talking about God the Holy Spirit empowering you to love and serve the body of Christ as He wills. You and I have been called to be faithful with what He has given us. And the gifts that he has given us, they are supernatural. But they are not magical. Thirdly, what are spiritual gifts? They are gifts that every believer at least has one of. Look at verse 7 with me, please. To each. So who's the each? What's well, everybody? All believers is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, manifestation is God revealing Himself to His people through you for their common good. That's what Paul just said. To each, all of you that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to you has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. To you, the Lord wants to reveal Himself to His people for their common good. 
And the word Paul uses where we translate common good literally means to bring together in an advantageous way. The Lord seeks to bring his people together for their profit, for their gain, for their good by you using the gifts that he has given you. So what are spiritual gifts? They are gifts from God that vary depending on his sovereign choice. He picks what gifts we get. They are gifts that God alone empowers. They are supernatural gifts. And they are gifts that every believer has at least one of. None of you have all the gifts. All of you have at least one gift. And it is possible that you may have more than one. But this is the big idea of what spiritual gifts are. Now I want to step into then another question. What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Because this is incredibly important as well. And here's the twofold answer that we'll break down. Spiritual gifts are for serving one another. Secondly, spiritual gifts are for strengthening one another. So let's look at the first part. Spiritual gifts are for serving one another. The Apostle Peter writes this in his first epistle, as each has received a gift, same word Paul uses in Romans 12, same word he uses in 1 Corinthians 12, use it to serve one another. So you've been given a gift As you have received it, use it to serve. What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? It's for you to serve one another. And you're to do so as good stewards of God's varied grace. You see how the word varied in varieties has shown up again from a different apostle writing under the authority of the Holy Spirit? These are going to look different. But you have been given a gift to use to serve one another. And then Peter actually gives two helpful designations and categories to understand the gifts in. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. There are two broad categories that the list of gifts that you would find in 1 Corinthians 12, in Romans 12, in Ephesians 4 will fall under. They are serving gifts and they are speaking gifts. It's two broad categories the scriptures give us. And as we have received our gift, we are to use it to serve one another. Secondly, spiritual gifts are for strengthening one another. And Paul writes this in his opening address to the Roman church, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, same word again, to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, what Paul is not saying is that he has the divine, unique ability to give gifts to people. 
It's not what he's saying at all. When he uses the word impart, he is speaking of the use of his gifts to strengthen the church, to strengthen these believers that he's going to have fellowship with. And so the second purpose of spiritual gifts are for strengthening one another. Ephesians 4 would be another passage where we find language and teaching in regards to spiritual gifts. And we're told that Christ has given gifted individuals to the church for the equipping of the saints for ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. So this is leading us to a definition. And we're working ourselves to a definition. And I want to walk you through that definition here. What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are God's supernatural means of manifesting His Spirit to His people for their collective good, so that they may be strengthened in their faith, served by one another, equipped for ministry, and built up as the body of Christ. Those last two points, equipped and building up, come from Ephesians 4. We didn't look at that text specifically, but verses 11 to 15 is where you would find that instruction. But here would be the definition that I would submit to you that spiritual gifts are. And this goes hand in hand with our understanding of what happens corporately when the body of Christ comes together for Christ-centered worship. Remember the the things that we laid before you, that I laid before you last week, that we are trying to achieve when we get together, is that we might gather to exalt Jesus Christ and lift his name as higher than any other name, that we may be exhorted by his word so that we can let the text read us and lead us back to the Lord and following him more closely and convicting us of sin that we might confess and repent and be cleansed and forgiven. But thirdly, that we might encourage one another. You see now our spiritual gifts are going to become really a part of this. Because the gift that the Lord has given you is for the serving and strengthening of the body. God's intended mechanism for his body to grow and to be built and to learn and and to grow in strength and to be nourished and to become built up and healthy is to use his people. And he's gifted us as his people to do that. And there's going to be a variety of gifts. Your gift is going to look different than my gift. There's a variety of places that our gifts are applied. There's a variety of results that happen as our gifts are used. But the Lord is seeking to serve His people through His people. He's seeking to strengthen His people. He's seeking to equip His people for ministry. And He's seeking to build up His church is the body of Christ. That's what spiritual gifts are for. And these are gifts that we have been given that vary depending on God's sovereign choice. These are supernatural gifts that are empowered by God Himself. And these are gifts that all of us have been given. Well, you may ask the question, how do I figure out what gift I have? 
It's a good question. And you could Google all sorts of spiritual gifts tests. I'll tell you, be a little cautious there. Because what you will invariably find is that often the definitions that go into and lie behind a certain gift that you would be asked a scalable question by are going to perhaps range, in my opinion, in regards to what the Scriptures teach. So you may, you may look at some tests on the internet and say, on a scale of 1 to 5, how more than likely or less likely are you to do one of these things? And then you just rank it. Well, not every one of those tests, I think, has a good definition of what all the gifts are. And so as you work through them, invariably you're going to just find different results because of the definition that is being used for the understanding of that gift. I think here's perhaps a better way. And it's a way that actually brings us together. It's a way that leverages what the Lord has already done to provide for His people It's perhaps a bit more messy and not as cut and dry as just finding Google to churn out some website for you. But I think this is perhaps a better way. Ask yourself the question, what excites me the most? What do I get really excited about? It's going to be a good start. Where have I felt most fulfilled in serving in areas of ministry? It's going to be a really important and helpful question also. Where have others in the church been most benefited by my serving? And lastly, and this is where it's not as cut and dry, what areas have other people expressed God using me? That's a conversation to have. That's somebody you know and trust that you're going to go seek out and go, hey, uh, I'm trying to perhaps figure out how the Lord has gifted me. What have you seen in me that, the God, that God has used in some unique ways? That's really, really helpful. And perhaps you just begin with the two broad categories of speaking and serving. And maybe from there you whittle it down. And maybe the idea of speaking in front of a group of people doesn't excite you. It's going to send you to the bathroom. Okay, well maybe serving is your category. Maybe the idea of speaking in front of a group of people is what is going to keep you up all night because you can't wait to get in front of them. Okay, that might tell you something. But then how how has God used you? How do other people see God having used you? Some of the most helpful feedback that I know that I have received from godly individuals in my life where we have had that conversation and they say, here's how we see the Lord having used you. Say, okay, I'm going to keep pursuing those things. I'm going to see what happens. So that last one is really a way that we can encourage one another, we can serve one another, we can strengthen one another, we can be equipped for ministry by one another, we can even be built into, up into the body of Christ as we have those conversations with one another. So I would submit those four things perhaps are much more helpful than going to Google and asking whoever she is, and I don't even know why, I just thought it was a she. 
Um, but whoever it is and churning out some website for you, have those conversations with the people that you know and trust. I think that's going to produce a whole lot more fruit. Well, let's then step into abilities and passions because that's the second part of this idea of Christ-centered serving. The first part really is all internal because spiritual gifts are for the body of Christ, for its common good. God has gifted you to serve his body. But we've also been called to serve those people that aren't inside the church. And we've tried to include that as well. And we really see that the unique abilities and passions that the Lord has wired us with are going to be very important in this second part. And God has created each one of us with unique abilities and passions that we are to use to love and serve those both inside and outside the church for his glory. These are going to look very different because every one of you looks very different. And that's awesome. And it's great. Some of you are mechanical and you can fix whatever might go wrong with a car. Some of you only know how to dial the auto repair shop. You probably should talk to each other. Because that's an opportunity where abilities, perhaps passions, could be matched with a need and people can be loved and served. If you've got mechanical skills, you know how to change oil, there might be single mothers in our community that instead of going to Jiffy Lube and getting freaked out by the blinker fluid not being filled correctly, like you could drain their oil and replace the filter and fill that back up for them and perhaps just do it at cost. Because you've got some abilities, you've got some skills that the Lord can use to love and serve people inside and outside the church. Some of you love to cut grass. The idea of a perfect day for you is being on a John Deere tractor for as many hours as you possibly can, creating as much dust as you possibly can. Well, are there people that you could use your, your passions of lawn mowing to serve? Are there elderly people in your neighborhood that you could take your mower down, spend an hour at their yard? Some of you are... Uh, you're able to shovel snow when it comes. Some of you are able and have skills in building resumes. Some of you have some extensive job training skills. Some of you have and work in professional job settings that you could take part of the abilities that you've been given, whether they're natural or whether you sat through those boring classes that you didn't want to take, but you kind of gleaned a few things out of, and you could help those that don't have those abilities, and you could sit down and go, let me help you build a resume. Let me help you figure out how to dress. Let me help you figure out what posture you should have. Let me help you figure out what what this should look like. Let me do a mock interview with you. Those are abilities that you have. Whether they're just a natural knack you've got for business or whether you had to get some training for it that you could use to love and serve those inside and outside the church. That's what this could look like. Uh, Some of you uh, are, are gifted with kids. And, and have just a unique ability to watch and love young ones. Some of you are handed a child and they cry immediately. And, but those gifted and those desirous 
of being with kids, babysitting can be incredibly helpful, especially for those that might be struggling and, and for those trying to find work but not sure how to navigate the, the complexities of child care, where often it costs just as much to have qualified child care as it does the paycheck you're bringing in. Well, how, how do those things offset each other? Because you might have time in your day, you might have the abilities, you might have the, the passions the Lord's given you just to love and serve those inside and outside the church, and you could use them in that capacity. It's how the Lord has gifted and wired you. I think of, and I think a great example of this, uh, and I asked for her permission to use her as an example, is Michelle Crawford and what she's doing and attempting and desiring to do in regards to the human trafficking, tragedy, tragedy that is currently in our nation, in our world, and it's in our county. Young girls are being sold as sex slaves. And it's not just happening in India. It's happening in Franklin County. Michelle has decided, because she has some skills, she has some passions to see this end, to engage in that fight. And since 2009, has been doing so, and even in 2010, had the ability to to meet with legislators in D.C. to try to figure out how we could shut down some loopholes that these men who were quote-unquote owning these girls were getting out of the charges that they were brought against them. And Michelle writes, when I asked her to comment about some of these things, all I know is God has called me to have a heart for these women and men, but I do not know where God will take me. She's willing to engage. She's willing to use those abilities. Some of it's professional training that she has received as a social worker. Some of it's just skill and and the, the image of God that she has been created in. And all of it's passion. She said, I'm going to engage and I'm going to step into this. And it's not happening in my county. She's begun, I guess, to wage war could be an appropriate term. But there's an example of a young lady in our midst seeking to use her abilities and passions that the Lord has given her to love and serve both those inside and outside the church. Let me give you some summary statements. You are not giftless, and you're not abilityless. So the Lord has given you gifts by His Spirit to serve and strengthen His church. And He has given you abilities, and He has put in your heart passions to love and serve those inside and outside the church. And we have been called to use those. Secondly, the gifts that you and I have been given have been sovereignly given by God. So we don't get to look at one another and either in our minds or perhaps in how we act with one another think that somebody is more important than somebody else because they got a gift that looks different. But you've been created uniquely by God with abilities. Perhaps you have received trainings that have given you skill sets, and have passions 
that allow you to love and serve those inside and outside the church. And we have been called to step in. We have been called as followers of Christ to steward the gifts that we have been given. We have been called to love and serve those inside and outside the church. And so to try to put some feet to that for us, we, we created uh, what we're just going to simply call a, a serving coordinator. And it's, it's Carrie, my beautiful wife, and, and her role as serving coordinator is to be a bit of a middle woman between those not sure where to serve and those ministry leaders that are involved and engaged with people that are served. And so if you don't know what to do, but you know you need or you want to do something, she's going to be the person you talk to. Now, it is not her responsibility and decision to decide if you get to be on stage next Sunday and a part of the band. That responsibility is Pastor Danny's. It is not her responsibility to figure out if you can sing. She is working with abilities and passions. Okay, so you may come. I love music. I really want to be a part of the band. And she's going to go, all right, let's go talk to Pastor Danny. And then it's going to be his responsibility to figure out where you fit, if you fit. The same thing would be true with children's ministry and other areas. But I wanted to create a point person for you to go and talk to. And if you're not sure, have that conversation. And one of the first questions is going to be one of the four that I put up there that she's going to ask you. What, do you, what, what excites you? What are you passionate about? That's a good place to start serving. One of the things that I asked our ministry leaders to do is, is to make and, and get me a list of different needs that we have around this place. I'll give you an example of what that might look like. In however many months from now, history sometimes says it could be a month from now, the snow is going to start falling. There will be a need on Sunday mornings for that snow to be shoveled. You perhaps have the physical capabilities and the time on your Sunday mornings to come and shovel some snow. If that's something that you would be willing to do, there's a connection to make where, okay, you're just the point person. You can be the one that we know we're going to depend on. If we get X number of inches, you're coming in to shovel so that the sidewalks can be clear, so that nobody can slip and fall as they come in. Those are some of the things that we're talking about. So again, God can empower you for this, but we're, we're not talking about magical things. We're not elevating gifts higher than another because all of these things are important and needed. Lastly, for our fall festival that'll happen a little bit over a month from now, we need all hands on deck because we are attempting to make that night look different than it has ever looked before. Part of that includes the creation of new games. And I'll tell you right now, Mike Thompson has made skee-ball. Skee-ball, people. I mean, I I just want to go and hang out with him at his house. (laughs) Not just because Becky cooks really awesome cookies, either. But he's got skee-ball. 
We're looking to put together lots of other games, and they have been created. And we actually are going to move all of the chairs out of this room to the sides. And we're going to bring the games up into this room. And we're going to try to reroute traffic. And and we're exploring. I think we've got lined up a bounce house to go in the little grassy area between uh, the Parsonage and and Ronnie's house. And we're looking to really increase the, the draw of this event so that people can come and they can be given a copy of God's Word by the Gideons and they can be be welcomed and, and, and shown around and shown hospitality by all of us that come and certainly kids getting lots of candy that they don't need. and all of hey, we, we, we want this event to be something tremendous and it's going to be all hands on deck. We need all of you that are able to be here because we're going to, we've multiplied the number of doors that are potentially exits and entrances and We've got to have increased security people so that we kind of know who's coming in and who's leaving and, and all of those things that we take very, very important. And so that's a month and a half from now, but I want you thinking and praying already about what that might look like. And after the fall festival is done, we need a whole army of you to help us get the building reset and transformed back into chairs in the rows and food cleaned up from downstairs. There's usually a lot of work, if not more, to be done after the event ends than even when it begins and happens. But it's about six weeks from now, five weeks from now, all hands on deck. God has gifted us to serve, and he has given us abilities and passions to do so with. I want to show you a video that we created And it's of Carrie just speaking a little bit about the Christ-centered serving. This will get to Facebook. It will be on our website. But after the video is done, the band will come and close us.